You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Would you like to join me in congregational prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, you are high and exalted. You're seated on a throne, and we adore you. Your word reminds us that you are holy, 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 and the whole earth is full of your glory. We praise you for your plan, for your everlasting covenant with your people, and for your faithful love. We have sinned against you, Lord. Our hands are stained with blood, our fingers with guilt. Our tongues have spoken falsely, and our tongues have said wicked things. Our feet have rushed into sin. We have pursued evil schemes. We confess our sins to you, Lord, and we ask for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that you have righteousness as your breastplate and a helmet of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that your son came as our redeemer and that we have forgiveness for our sins because of him. We thank you for your faithfulness to your people through the ages. You made Abraham into a great nation. You blessed him and made his name great. All peoples on earth were blessed through Abraham because of your son, and for him we are thankful. Bless us in this new year, Lord. Remind us not to be conformed to this world. Help us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Help us to discern your will and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Help us, Lord, to see your truth with our eyes, to hear your truth with our ears, and to understand your truth with our hearts. Guide us to turn and be healed. We pray these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, That's the guys from the Gospel Project, uh, the Bible Project, I'm sorry. They're actually here in Portland, Oregon, uh, where they design these videos. They give them out for free on the web, and so if you guys are interested in using those, uh, they've done a lot of the Old Testament, a lot of the New Testament, a lot of big themes, and a a great resource that we wanted to leverage, because that video kind of helps us understand where we've been in the book of Genesis, and then where we're going. So before Christmas in the fall, we walked through the first chapter of Genesis, uh, uh, chapters 1 through uh, 11, uh, and we left off at the Tower of Babel, just kind of where they picked up, and and this series is going to take us from chapter 12 of Genesis all all the way through chapter 23. Uh, maybe chapter 24, and we're going to look at uh, what that video unpacked, the life of Abraham and uh, his kids. Now, we're calling this section of Genesis uh, the promise, because the main theme throughout this is God's promise to Abraham, which we're going to look at today, and how God fulfills that promise to make Abraham into a great uh, nation. Uh, I am looking forward to these next seven weeks in the series of Genesis. Uh, I'd love to say that we planned to start out the new year with chapter 12 because it's got this great journey that God is starting with Abraham, but I'm going to give God way more credit than that than us. It just kind of happened to work out that way, but it is such a great way to start off 2018, uh, remembering the promises of God and being encouraged because, once again, we, we like Abraham— are walking on this journey with God, a journey of faithfulness, but it's a journey fulfilling the promises of God. And if God promises to do something, He will always do that thing. 
and I just need to walk this journey with you guys and with God, remembering His faithfulness and remembering His mercy and remembering His goodness, because that's the thing that's going to sustain us as we look at all the challenges that another year brings and the, and the stresses and the, the, the work pressures and the family pressures and just, just the challenges of life, we're going to get to walk through that in the Word with a man who's walking through it and all of his dysfunction and all of his challenges as God fulfills his promises to his people. So I'm excited about that. Uh, now, the book of Genesis, as you guys know, was written by Moses and this particular section of Genesis, uh, I believe, and as, as we teach through it over the next seven weeks, is going to focus on some main themes in, the, in Abraham's life because Moses, like Abraham, was on a journey to the promised land with this group of people. Okay, So as we read the, through the life of Abraham, we're going to have to remember and try to put ourselves in the shoes of the original audience. Moses is highlighting certain things that happened in the life of Abraham because those things that he is highlighting, those themes are going to be very helpful for the Jewish people as they also walk in this journey through the wilderness toward the promised land, just like Abraham is going. So Moses doesn't record everything that happened in the life of Abraham. He records very specific things because he's talking and he's writing to a very specific audience. Uh, Genesis 12 through 24 is not just explaining to the Jewish people how they got here. It's not just a, a, a narrative or, or a history, but the original Israelite le- readers would have looked at the life of Abraham and would have used him as an example of what it means to faithfully walk with God on this journey. And I pray we can do the same thing together as a church. Uh, now, we're going to do that in two ways. Uh, this morning's message is going to look at just three, three passages of Scripture. Now, in, in the book of Genesis, we're going to take larger, ju- larger jumps in the, in the text than we did in the first 11 chapters. For the most part, the first 11 chapters, we did about verse by verse. We kind of fast-forwarded the few genealogies, but we looked at most of the narrative. We're not going to be able to do that in this section because we're, cover- we're covering you know, a larger section of Scripture, a lot of narrative. So we're just going to focus in on key texts and then, and then kind of describe a lot of what's happening around it. And I want to do the same thing today in Genesis uh, 1 through 3. Now, uh, we're going to look at Genesis 1 through 3 because it is going to operate as kind of like a thesis statement for the rest of the book of Genesis. So what we unpack in these three verses, the narrative over the next 12, 13, even actually through most of the Old Testament, is going to unpack these three verses. It's going to give evidence to the promise of God being fulfilled in this group of people. So I want to invite you guys to turn there to Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Let's get our house lights up some more here, John, so that we can see our iPhones, our Bibles. And I want to invite you guys to stand up here with me as we read it together. Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3. Uh, so this, uh, this is recorded to Abraham. God comes and speaks to Abraham. This is when Abraham still lived in Ur. He was still in Mesopotamia, and God calls him to enter the promised land. This is how this section starts off. Uh, verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, And your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, 
and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word today that was recorded uh, so many years ago. And although we are not the original audience, uh, it applies to us as your people today. And just as Abraham is going to go on this journey with you of, of, of faith and of trust, um, and just as the Israelites journeyed with you on faith and trust, we today continue that journey uh, with you. So I pray the, the examples of the, the patriarch Abraham uh, would be mighty lessons for us today as we walk in relationship with you. And we ask that you would do that through your word during this time. In your name, amen. Guys, have a seat. Now, like I said, this section of Scripture is going to be a template for the rest of the book of Genesis that we're going to unpack over the next seven messages. And it starts off pretty simple. It just starts with uh, God coming and engaging Abraham before Abraham had really done anything. He's kind of an unknown figure at this point, and God shows up. He chooses this guy, and it says in chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So it's pretty, pretty simple. God shows up to Abraham and he commands him, I want you to go to, to this place. That's the, the, the driving command in Abraham's life is, Abraham, I want you to go here. So that's his, God's first command to him. It's just following on this journey to a particular place. But then God just doesn't stop there. God gives him some motivation here. In, in uh, verse 2 in the first part, it says in, in verse 2, uh, And I will make you a, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And the verse continues, but I want to I stop right there. Uh, this section focuses on Abraham's blessing if he would be obedient to go. God said first, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Second, he offered Abraham uh, the blessing of prosperity, uh, physical things. I'm going to physically bless you. And then third, he said that he would give Abraham and his descendants a great name and a great reputation. Okay? So it's in sets of three. The blessing to Abraham comes in a set of three. But then if you'll notice here, now the text begins to talk about everybody else in the world and the blessing that's going to come to them. And once again, it's used in a set of three. Uh, Moses is being creative here. And so it says here in the second part of of chapter 2, verse 2b, it says, so that you will be a blessing. And then look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So see how the, the, the focus of the text shifts away from Abraham? And it now shifts to everybody else in the world and how God is going to bless them. And like I said, it comes in three sections. First, God says that I will bless those who bless you. God would give good things to those people who dealt positively with Abraham on his journey. If they treated Abraham well, God in turn would then treat them well. That's a part of his promise uh, to Abraham and it affects everyone in the world. Uh, But then a second, God promises, and in him who dishonors you, I will curse. So as you're reading the story of Genesis, Abraham is going to come up against certain people. Um, on this journey, and as they, in turn, either treat him generously or decide to get in some type of a battle, God says that he will join Abraham, in this, and, and he is going to curse those people. So as we read the story and we, we come across these parts of Genesis that, like, bother our political correctness, you know, as God begins to wipe out groups of people, We have to remember that it was a promise that God had made to Abraham to take him to this place, and God is fulfilling 
His promise. And then uh, the third thing here it says is that God said, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, that, that seems like a little bit of a contradiction to the second part of the blessing. Like, how does God how does God bless all the families of the earth and at the same time curse certain groups of people? Well, it's because God promised Abraham, uh, and it was a twofold promise, blessing uh, ultimately to all the families of the earth. So uh, when we see the opening of, chapter, of Genesis chapter 12 divided into these parts, so, so God said, I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. And so at the beginning of, this, of Genesis here, we see these three sections, but we see an introduction, we see a blessing upon Abraham, and then we see a focus that Abraham would then be a blessing to the rest of the world. And like I said, Moses is going to, to focus the rest of Genesis, starting in verse 4, evidencing the, these three passages of Scripture. He's just going to unpack God doing what he said he would do. So there's four main themes that pop out in these three verses that we're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Genesis. And we need to talk about them today because they're going to help us understand how to properly read Genesis, and hopefully they're going to act kind of like an outline for the rest of the messages in this series. And so the four themes that we see here in uh, verses 1 through 3, the first one is just God's divine grace toward Abraham. Uh, The second is Abraham's loyalty toward God. Then we're going to look at God's blessings to Abraham, and finally, God's blessings through Abraham, okay? So as we read Genesis, everything that we read is going to fall in one of those four, those four themes. And so as me and Royce and Chris unpack it, we're going to keep bringing these themes up again, again, and again, that there's divine grace toward Abraham, there's a requirement of Abraham's loyalty, uh, there's specific blessings upon Abraham, and then finally, God is going to bless the world through Abraham. So let's, uh, let's unpack those in just these three verses right here. The first one seems a little subtle, but the first place in the Scripture that we see God's divine grace toward Abraham is the fact that God came to Abraham, right? God chooses Abraham in verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham. Now that's, that's a part of God's grace upon Abraham. And, and it's really interesting because the, the, in the text, there's nothing that reads that Abraham has done anything real magical at this point to choose to receive the favor of God, right? Abraham hasn't left to go to the promised land. Abraham hasn't uh, gone to the, and, and prayed over the cities of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham hasn't offered up Isaac as a, as a sacrifice. It's God who initiates relationship and mercy with Abraham. And that's pretty impressive considering that Abraham is going to do some very foolish things in his life. Like when we, the video impact a few of those, but there are sections of Genesis that you are never taught in Sunday school because they are so scandalous. And in the midst of the mess, God is going to continue to redeem Abraham, and he's going to redeem his children, and he's going to redeem his descendants because he's fulfilling his promises. That is an example of God's sheer mercy and divine grace upon Abraham. Now, when we read about Abraham's life at other points in the Scripture, Abraham many times is an example to us of of what faith looks like. Uh, Hebrews 11, right? And Abraham in faith. And Joseph, in faith, you know, it kind of unpacks this. And so I think sometimes that leads us to think that there's something righteous about Abraham, that that God chose him because he did something. 
But it's really interesting that Paul in the New Testament twice uses Abraham as an example of someone who is justified by grace and not by works. The first one's in Romans 4.3, the second one's in Galatians 3.6. Both times, Paul says that Abraham's righteousness that was counted to him, uh, one of the most famous passages in Genesis is Genesis 15.6, when God comes and covenants with Abraham and he tells him to look up at the sky and, and uh, all the stars, that's how many descendants I'm going to give you. And it says in verse 6 that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous, right? Well, then Paul in the New Testament chooses that example to say, you know that whole thing where Abraham looked up in the sky and saw the stars and believed God? That was because God had chosen Abraham and had mercy upon Abraham. For me, that is incredibly encouraging that God is choosing us. He is choosing His people to show His mercy and His favor upon them. And it's not based on on all the good things that they did. God, like I said, didn't come to Abraham because of the way that he faithfully lived. God just chose him. And can you imagine how encouraging that it was for the Israelites, who God had just rescued out of slavery, and now He's taking them on this journey as they daily grumble against God, like a manna again, you know? They're going to say, oh, but Abraham, God had mercy on Abraham. God's going to have mercy on us today. It's just God's unmerited grace and favor. See, God, He initiates our relationship with Him. It is a sheer miracle if any of us can sit in this room and sing those songs that we just sang and believe it in our heart. That's because God has chosen us, and He's opened our hearts to believe the truth of who He is. I need to be reminded of that in 2018, right? I I need to be reminded, and we need to be reminded that God has come down, and He has chosen us. He has predestined us for adoption. He has justified us through Christ. He is sanctifying us, and none of that can we claim on our own merit, our own good works, or, or, or the sin that's in my life. It's an act of God's mercy upon us. And so as we journey through Genesis with Abraham and we see God's mercy upon Abraham as he continues to sin and rebel against God, remember too that God has mercy on us. He has chosen us. He has promised us. And he is walking with us another year through the challenges that life may bring. The second theme that we pull out of Genesis 2, 1 through 3, is Abraham's loyalty, okay? God had grace on Abraham, but the text and also throughout the book of Genesis, Moses is going to focus on the loyalty of Abraham to God. God did not merely choose Abraham to receive his mercy. He showed mercy to the patriarch so that Abraham would respond in faithful obedience. Uh, Chapter 12, verse verse 1, he said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That's a big ask, isn't it? Moses, everything, I mean, sorry, Abraham, everything that you've ever known, this, everything that your father has created, this place, all of these resources, I want you to pack all that up and I just want you to go on this journey of faith and trust because I have something better for you planned. God showed mercy But Abraham was expected to show deep-seated loyalty to God. 
Perhaps I think the most dramatic example of this is in Genesis chapter 22, when God says, hey, Abraham, that son that I finally gave you when you're old, I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him as an example of your love for me and your trust for me. That's that's a big ask, right? I can't imagine, right? Madison, can you, can you imagine God saying, I want you to take Madison. I want you to sacrifice Madison. That's a, that's a big ask. Something had to happen in the heart of Abraham in this journey. I mean, he had to have been so impacted by the mercy of God that it, it moved him to action, to loyalty. Now, the, the biggest ask, although that seems like a big one, the one that, that God continues to ask of, Mo, of uh, Abraham over and over again is what we saw here in the text, go to this place. You know, over and over again, okay, we're on this journey, and, and we're going to constantly come up against barriers in this journey, but I am asking you to go someplace, and I am taking you to this place. Abraham was required to go to the land that God would show him, Abraham was to inhabit the land. He was to inhabit these promises of God. And so it's important for us to remember this larger plan of God, both for Abraham and for his descendants, that the patriarch go to the promised land. Well, why is that so significant? Well, remember the original audience, right? Once again, God is is calling the Jews to go to this place, to the promised land, once again. And they're journeying with Moses, and they are going to open up the Scriptures, and they're going to read the Torah, and they're going to have it read over them over and over and over again. Remember Abraham. Remember Abraham. He did this journey with God. Remember how faithful God was to Abraham. He will be faithful to you. But even greater than that, the people were supposed to go, Abraham was supposed to go to the promised land because God was going to create this nation. And that nation was meant to be an example of God's grace to the entire world. But we know the story. The, the, the nation of Israel doesn't do that. They become self-focused. They, they forget that they're a blessing to the world. It becomes all about them. And so God punishes them. And then out of them, he brings about the, the true leader of Israel, the king of Israel, a new Abraham, a new Moses that was going to lead them on this journey to this place. And it was the cross. And then because of Jesus Christ, our hearts are now changed. And we can can look back on on Abraham's life, and we can look back on on Moses' life and Israel's life, but all of that was pointing to what Jesus Christ did to us. Cornerstone, right? Christ alone. It's all about Him. And and the problem is we become disloyal to God when we forget about His mercy and His grace. And we forget about all the things that that God's been doing for us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to remind ourselves. We're going to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. We're going to remind ourselves that we have something that is worth being loyal to. Right? That God has 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 a mission for us. As a church, we are to draw to Christ and develop in community and deploy in the culture. And that is not a suggestion. It is a command from God that we engage in that demonstrates our affection for the grace that we've received from Him. And Abraham, he'll be an example of that for us. So I just encourage you guys to to get up every day 
and spend some time just reminding yourself of the grace and the favor of God. This week, I had to get out a piece of paper and write down the things that I, am, I, am, I have received grace and mercy. Just examples of it in my life. I had to be reminded because all these other things that are going on in my life and my feelings and just pressures have begun to weigh on me and I had lost my joy in life. And so I, I want that joy, but that joy is going to come not through begrudging service, but through a loyalty that comes out of grace because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So Abraham's loyalty, that's going to be a theme that we're going to talk about. We're going to see that over and over again, and we're going to be reminded to be loyal to God. The third theme here that we see in this, in this section of Scripture and also in the life of Abraham is uh, blessings offered to Abraham if he would be, be obedient to God. We see this here in, this, in, the, in, uh, in verse 2. He said, And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. So God offered Abraham three blessings. In the first place, God said Abraham would become a great nation. His children, his progeny, they would grow beyond number. They would grow so fast the Egyptians wouldn't know what to do with them. And his descendants would actually become an empire. A nation would be created out of him. At at that time when Abraham heard that, Things were not going really well, you know? I mean, think about it. it him and Sarah are, are, are barren at this point. Now, they're not as old when God first comes to, to Abraham, but, but they don't have any kids. And Abraham's like, you're going to make a great nation out of me? But God promised that the number of Abraham's descendants will one day be more than the stars in the sky. That's a pretty cool blessing. And this, the second part of the blessing is that God told Abraham that he would physically bless him. I believe that he means that he's going to give him prosperity and, and, and growth and, and resources. And, and we can see this in the text. As Abraham journeys with God, he receives much blessing everywhere he goes. His, his, his herds grow and his family grows and, and he gets in conflicts with people and they just give him money, you know, and, and God just continues to bless him. Why? Because he had the favor of God upon him. God said he was going to use Abraham for something, and God did. They would not be wanderers on the earth, but they would be settlers if they, provide, if they proved to be faithful. They would enjoy much prosperity. And then in the third place here, God offers a blessing uh, to Abraham that was meant to give him a, a great name. In other words, Abraham would go to the promised land, he would serve God faithfully, and the massive numbers of people and prosperity of his descendants would make him known in all the world. And that happens, right? We see it in the, in the life of, of Solomon when people come from all over the world to hear about this, this God and this group of people called the Jews. God did what he said he was going to do to Abraham. When even when you think about just Abraham's life, he had sons and he gained wealth and he went from one experience to another. He became a, a well-known figure every, everywhere he goes. And for the Israelites who heard these stories about Abraham's blessings, that would have brought them so much hope and future blessing as they too wander in the wilderness. So many of us, I think we come in those seasons of, of feeling like we're wandering in the wilderness. 
I, I hope I'm coming out of a wandering season where like I knew the promises of God to be true, but I just couldn't see them. They just weren't real right here and right now. And so the way to remind myself of the promises of God when I can't see them in front of me is to look at them behind me. It is so important to look back on the journey with God and see His faithfulness so far and say, okay, I could see it. I know where we're going. I know God's going to provide. There is blessing. You know, I can look back on this last year and and see God's favor upon this church. Uh, The fact that we made budget is praise God. Uh, we saw a drop in attendance this year as a church. We, we lost families that were very vital and involved in the life of this church, yet God provided for His church. Once again, like He always does, year after year after year. We were able to continue to engage in our mission here in, in a culture and in a community that is many times hostile to the gospel. Praise God. That's His blessings. But more than all of those things, more than all the, the physical blessings, Once again, we were able to just walk in a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. It's that one thing that we are so prone to forget, that God saved us. Abraham will be an example of that to the Israelites. The Israelites will see that in their own life. God will continue to save them and save them and save them. And of all of their grumblings, and in our lives too, God came and He saved us. The greatest blessing that we have in life is Jesus Christ. And that pales all other blessings, all material blessings, all prosperity. Whether we, you know, bust out of the seams this year as a church, the fact that we have received Jesus Christ is the greatest blessing that we could ever receive and is the driving motivation. It is the thing that is always in front of us. It's why we practice communion every week. We need to be reminded of the grace of God. When we begin to grumble in 2018, remind me of the grace of God. Jim, when I grumble in 2018, I need you to remind me of the grace of God in my life. So we've looked at three themes here. God's divine grace upon Abraham. And then we saw God's loyalty to Abraham God's promise of blessing on Abraham. And then lastly here is the theme of God's blessings through Abraham. This is the second part of verse 2 and all of verse 3. So that you will be a blessing. God's going to do all these amazing things to Abraham so that he will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, this said that Abraham would not only receive a blessing on himself, but that all the people of the earth would be blessed through him. God did not call Abraham to the promised land simply to enrich his life and his descendants. God called Abraham to the promised land so that he could be a divine blessing to all of the earth. I will bless those who bless you, then him who dishonors you, I will curse. Because Abraham was favored by God, when people from other nations blessed him, they were honored, and they honored him, then God honored them, and God blessed them. But when people of other nations cursed and attacked Abraham, God would punish them. 
The fates of the other people depended on how they treated Abraham and also how Abraham treated them. And and in his lifetime, Abraham would come in contact with a lot of different groups of people, a lot of nations he would impact. The the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, uh, even his nephew Lot, the Moabites and the Ammonites are going to come out of of that relationship. Not great things are going to happen, but they come out of it. They're They're a good example of God's cursing because of disobedience, those two groups of people, and you'll see that throughout the rest of the book of Genesis. These interactions, they were significant because they showed specific ways that God kept his word to bless Abraham and to curse other peoples. They also indicated that even in his own lifetime, Abraham had begun to be a blessing to the world. I think all too often it's easy for us to forget why God blesses us, doesn't it? The the Israelites, they forgot really quickly over and over and over again why God was blessing them. And we too have to to take a step back and and remember these blessings on us. We remember the grace of Jesus Christ that was given us. We remember the, the physical prosperity that we get to have right now. Today in this room, we are the wealthiest people who have ever lived on the face of the planet. We have more time and more resources than any human being has ever had access to in history past. And on top of all of that, we are under the favor of God because of Jesus Christ. Because of the blood that was shed for us, we are now a part of the family of God, receiving the inheritance of God, the inheritance of Jesus Christ. We've been grafted into God's family. We are blessed beyond measure and comprehension. Why does God give us those blessings? Because He wants to show us His mercy? Yes. Because He wants us to be loyal? Yes. Because he wants to love us like a father loves kids, yes. But if it stops there, we miss out on God's grander purposes for his blessing. It's so that we will be a blessing. God blessed Abraham so that he would be a blessing to all of the world. God blessed the Israelites so that they would be a blessing to all of the world. And today, God is blessing this church He is blessing us as individuals and as a church community. Why? Because He wants us to be a blessing to the world. He's giving us time and money and abilities and resources because He has something that He wants us to do with those things. And it's not just to buy something new and shiny. It's to make the name of God great among the nations. The greatest blessing that we have to offer the world in 2018 is the message of reconciliation. It's a message that that Jesus did something for them, that he reconciled them to God through his blood. And that message needs to be at at the forefront of our minds as we receive the blessings of Jesus Christ, and we in turn give those blessings back out. God is going to work powerfully this year in our church because he said he would. He is going to give us his grace every single day 
because of what Jesus did for us. We cannot be outside of the grace of God in 2018. Amen? Let's remember that. Let's start off the year just speaking that truth into our own hearts and allow it to shape and motivate us and drive us in our actions and our feelings. How we engage in God's mission over another year. It's a good way to start off the year, isn't it? So we're going to demonstrate this now in in receiving of communion. I want to invite you guys, uh, those of you who have responded to Jesus through repentance and faith, to come and, and receive communion. Receive the most powerful and the most clear example of the mercy and grace of God, which is Jesus Christ. As we take the bread and we dip it in the wine and the juice, we remember that we are rebellious toward God, that we need forgiveness, and He's forgiven us through Jesus Christ. And then that act of grace leads us to be loyal. It leads us to receive blessings in our life, and it leads us to bless others. Join with me in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you so much for uh, just this, this, the word that we're going to get to walk through as a church. Thank you for the life of Abraham. Thank you for how it points us, uh, and, it, and it gives us an example of what it looks like to walk faithfully. And uh, I pray over the next seven weeks and throughout this year that as, as the, the words of life creep up, and they get louder and louder, and all the, the lies and all the, the challenges and all the other voices that are speaking into our life, that they would be suppressed by the voice of God. As, as the Word of God, as we wake up every day and we speak the gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves of the grace that we've received, that that just that pales all of our circumstances. You become greater and we become less. Father, we want to do that now as we, as we come to the tables and we receive communion. Stir our hearts, God. Remind us of the blessing that we've received. Let that lead us to loyalty. Loyalty to your word and your commands in 2018. To engage in your mission. To be a blessing to others. We look forward in anticipation to this journey with you, Father. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.